Don't you wish that it was that easy to have every single answer to your prayer in one click of the button? Don't you wish it was just that easy as in uh, this clip from Bruce Almighty? You know, in this movie, Bruce, played by Jim Carrey, he, he switches places with God. And he sees all these prayer requests that are coming in millions of prayer requests. So he says the easy way out is just to hit yes to all of them. You know, and I, I think that so often when, when you and I pray, we secretly hope that God's answer to our prayer is always yes. Isn't that right? You might never admit it, but in the back of your mind, I think every time you consider whatever it is that you're asking God for, and whatever it is that you're praying for, you are secretly hoping that God's answer is yes. And I think that's why so many of us get frustrated with prayer. I hear this all the time. Danny, I, I tried praying. I really, Danny, I tried praying, but it just didn't work. I tried praying, but nothing happened. And, and I think what you mean when you say that is that what you wanted to happen didn't happen. Isn't that right? This is the battle that we all face. And this is what Jesus addresses in this next portion of what we're going to be studying in, in the Lord's Prayer in our series. And this is the struggle that you face, and, and Jesus knew it, and that's why he included it as part of his lesson. Last week we began a brand new series called Yes and Amen. And, and what I've been doing is trying to challenge all of us, every single one of us, you and me, to really dig deep in prayer. I asked myself the question, you know, what's next in, in rebuilding our lives and rebuilding our church? What's, what's next in establishing our new normals? I think what, what's next begins with us on our faces desperately pursuing Jesus through prayer. Not just talking, but listening. So in our listening, we can hear what, what we are to do. And, and in our communication, we can draw closer to Jesus. This is why we pray. And so we've been studying the Lord's Prayer, right? This, this model that Jesus left us, this example, this model of prayer that Jesus left us, almost like a template for us to follow. And we've been examining it to help us guide, to help guide us to ask the right questions in our lives. So last week and, uh, and this week, if you weren't here last week, you should have received it this week. Everybody here got a journal, right? A free journal so that you can go ahead and, and, and take time during the week, use it however you want, to help you and encourage you in your prayer. So here's the question I want to ask you guys. How's it going? How's it going with the journaling? Uh, this week, I tried to make it a priority. And what I would do is before I did anything else in the morning, I cracked it open. I opened up God's Word and I, and I wrote in my journal. And what I did was I wrote down, I didn't even write out the verse. I just wrote down the number where I found it, whatever I read that day. And then I put two or three points of what I got from it and then, and then I wrote a one-sentence prayer. That's the way I use mine. You don't have to use it that way. You can use it however you want. If you drop the ball this week, I want to encourage you. Pick it up so you can go ahead and continue to dig deep. Let's read this prayer, guys. This is Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13. These are the very words of Jesus, and he's teaching us how to pray. He says, therefore, you should pray like this. Okay, and then he goes on to say, so let's take it from there. Let's read it together. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13. Ready, go. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Today we're going to be examining that line that says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Maybe you want to underline that part right there in your message notes. So to help us to apply this portion of prayer into our lives and to incorporate it into our daily prayers this week, I'm going to ask us a series of questions, okay? Uh, so today, it's, it's a little bit different. Your, your message notes, your fill-in-the-blanks are questions that I want us to ask and try to figure out the answers to. So Jesus prays, your kingdom come. Who's your? That's, he's talking about God. He's saying, God's kingdom come. And so this is where we need to begin. Here's number one. Write this down. Is God king of your life? Jesus prayed, your kingdom come. God, your kingdom come. So the number one question is, is God king of your life? Did you know that God is king? and That He has a kingdom? You know, the words kingdom of God is mentioned upwards of 80 times in the New Testament. The kingdom of God, it was the primary subject of Jesus' teaching. And in fact, it's consistent with the rest of, of the Bible, Old Testament and New. Look at what it says in Psalms chapter 103, verse 19. You have it in your message notes, and it's also on the screen. It says, The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His what? What's that word? And His kingdom, kingdom rules over all. You see, guys, God is a king, and He has a kingdom. He, he's a ruler. He reigns supreme. So the question that we're wrestling with today is not whether or not He is a king, because He is a king. The question that I need you to wrestle with today is, is He your king? You know, it's been my experience that we often pursue and we often submit and we often, to sur we often surrender to lesser kings and lesser kingdoms. You find out who is your king and what kingdom you surrender to by examining what you invest all your time and what you invest all your energy into. You know, so often, for many of us, we invest all our time and energy and resources to the kingdom of success. The king of this kingdom is perhaps your career or maybe the accumulation of wealth or the amount of stuff that you can acquire. And for many of us, we give all our time and all our attention to this kingdom. Some of us, our kingdom is the kingdom of pleasure. And the king of this kingdom is whatever grants you those moments of ecstasy or whatever increases your adrenaline or whatever removes you from the current pressures and challenges of life. Whatever can ease the pain, whatever can remove it. For many of us, that is the kingdom and those are the kings that we surrender to. I know for everyone in this room, to some degree, we all have this temptation and that is to submit to, surrender and give all our time and energy to the kingdom of self. And who's the king in the kingdom of self? Well, you are. Self, right? You are king. And when you're king, you pursue whatever makes you happy. And listen, as, as king, you can knight whoever you want. And when you get tired of them, you can execute them and eliminate them, right, from life and cut them off completely. How contrary is this line of reasoning and the way we so often live our lives compared to what Jesus taught? Look at Matthew 6.33. You guys know this verse and probably have it memorized. Let's read it together. Read it out loud. Matthew 6, verse 33. Ready, go. 
But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. How contrary do we live to this passage right here? To seek first the kingdom of God. You see, so often we turn this verse on its head. We read this verse in reverse. And what we actually think, and what we say is, God, provide all these things first, and then we'll seek you, right? That's the way we actually functionally live this out. We read this verse in reverse. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, Danny, well, I've never said that. But certainly, functionally, you've lived your life that way. And so to pray this portion in Jesus' prayer, your kingdom come, we must begin with acknowledging that God is king. And so we have to repent of attempting to be king in our own lives. And we need to repent of our pursuit of other kingdoms. And so I want to encourage you this week. Include this in your prayer. Identify what are the kingdoms that you've been giving all your time, energy, and resources to. What are the kings that you have been surrendering to in your life? And use this week as an opportunity to repent of all that and to put God in first place. He's God king of your life. Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what's he referring to when he says your will be done, God's will be done? Number two, you can ask yourself this question. You can write this down. Is God's purpose greater than your own? Is God's purpose greater than your own? You know, built into God being king is submission to his ruling of the kingdom. However, so often we'll say we submit to God as king, but then we disregard him by pursuing our own purposes. Here's how I know this. How often are we discontent with where we find ourselves? Think about this week, this month, this past year. How many situations, how many predicaments, how many places have you found yourself where you are just discontent? Or how about this? When was the last time that you applied for a job or you pursued a relationship or you made a major life decision and you ask God first, God, is this what you want from me? Think about it. When was the last time you submitted a resume or started that relationship or pursued that new career or made that move and said, God, is this what you want from me before I make it? Instead, we make the major decision, we begin the new job, we date that person, and then we ask God to bless that, our stupid decision, right? I've done fun into the hole now. I've done messed up. I've done screwed up. God, would you please bless this? Would you please bless this stupid decision I just made? And then to top it off, we get angry at God when things don't work out, when we go ahead and pursue our own will and our own purposes. God, how can you allow this to happen to me? How can you allow me to marry this stupid person? How can you allow me to get into this position in this job? But we didn't even ask him if that's what he wanted for us. We didn't even consider if that was his will. But then he gets all the blame for our dumb decisions. Another way to ask this is, which way are you walking? What road are you taking? Uh, to, to give us a little picture of this, I have a couple pictures for you guys. Uh, here's the first one. Some of you guys are on Burger King Way. You know, you know where Burger King Way is? That's, that's the way where you have it your way, right? It's your way or the highway. 
It's whatever you want, the way you want it, right? Hold the pickles, no lettuce, no onions, the way you want it. And that's how you live your life. It's my way or the highway. Some of you guys are on the next road, which is whichever which way. You guys ever been on whichever which way? That's when you allow other people to dictate the direction of your life, when you care so much about what other people think, about your decisions, that you're constantly asking for opinions, and, and it weighs on you what they tell you and what they say, and you hang on to every last word. But what about this? How many of you are on God's way? Which is ultimately submitting to the perfect and sovereign will of God in your life. Which way are you on? What road are you taking? What street are you on? I love what Psalm chapter 37, verse 23 and 24 says. The psalmist writes this, A person's steps are established by the Lord, and he takes pleasure in his way. Though he falls, he will not be overwhelmed because the Lord supports him with his hand. A person's steps are established by the Lord. You know, what many don't realize is that ultimately when you submit to God's purposes and His will over your own, you're going to ultimately be led to joy, contentment. You'll be led to satisfaction, purpose, and meaning. You know, those intangible things that so many of us break our heads to try to discover in our lives are ultimately satisfied when we submit to God's will over our own will. The psalmist says, when, when a person's steps are established by the Lord, in other words, when we submit to God's will, when we pray and when we ask God, God, which way should we go? What should I do? The psalmist says, he, then he takes pleasure in his way. What that means is that God's plans are perfect and that his will will ultimately bring God's glory and, and, and it will ultimately be for your good. You guys, know, you guys know this verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, which just ties in perfectly with what we're talking about. Read this verse out loud with me. Ready, go. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. Maybe you want to underline or put a star or circle that or highlight it. There, in your notes. Who are called according to whose purpose? to God's purpose. And this is why we can be satisfied and we can learn to be content no matter how God answers our prayers. You know, many of us, we have this fairy tale, you know, Disney's magic kingdom, you know, Aladdin's genie and lamp view of God. That, that's how we view God. We have this Mickey Mouse version of God where everything is, is all the time affirmative and yes, and the way we want it to happen. That He exists to answer affirmative to all of your prayers, to all of your needs and all of your wants. But what Paul is preaching in this passage, what he's teaching us here, what he's saying is that God will say, that it doesn't mean that God will say yes to all of our selfish prayers. That's not what Paul is saying. But that regardless God will work it out according, not to your purpose, not to your desires, not to your will, but to His, to His will. That it'll work out for His purposes. So in our prayer times this week, I want to encourage you to ask, is God's purpose greater than my own? Is God's will in my life greater than my own will and my own purpose? 
And then ask yourself this, am I okay with God's response to whatever I'm asking Him? Don't just go into your prayer this week hoping God will give you the response that you want to hear. Are you okay with whatever God's response is? Really, what the underlying question is there, can I trust God with the outcome? Whatever it is. Jesus taught us to pray. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now here here is the last question we can ask ourselves this week. Number three, how are you bringing a slice of the kingdom? How are you bringing a slice of the kingdom? The entire narrative of Scripture can be summarized in that we live in a sin-stained world, but that God will one day restore all things, that God's kingdom will reign, that there's going to be no more sickness, that there's going to be no more sin and no more pain, no more shame, no more guilt. But we live in this tension right now of the already and not yet establishing of God's kingdom. Right? We're in this tension in the middle. We live in this tension. Now listen, I've read the end of the book, okay? I read the end of the book. Jesus wins and God reigns. However, we live in this current tension in the middle. And so Jesus' prayer includes asking God for His kingdom to reign on earth. And in that prayer, I really believe that there is an invitation for you and for me. I think we're invited to bring down a slice of heaven down to earth. Because as followers of Christ, we have a picture of the kingdom. And we are to reflect the king. The world and its systems are corrupt, polluted. The world that we live in is covered in darkness. And you guys know this. You see it all the time. Whenever you see blatant racism and whenever you see brutality and abuse and corruption of people in power, whenever you see hatred and violence, death and and murder and starvation, you, you know this. Even on a social level, when you see dirty parks and dirty streets and dirty sidewalks, when you see siloed and segregated sections of a of community, when you see the pushing out of the marginalized and the poor, when you see the elevation of the wealthy and the educated, you know that the system is wrong. The system is off. It's broken. But these are all things that one day will be overcome with God's just and righteous kingdom. However, we are invited into this tension to bring a slice of the kingdom of heaven to earth. As followers of Jesus, we're called to love wholeheartedly. We're called to speak out and fight against injustice. We are called to care for God's creation. We are to value and esteem dignity to all people because all people are made in the image and likeness of God. And so part of Jesus' prayer involves you bringing a slice of the kingdom of heaven. One commentator says it this way. I have it on the screen for you guys to follow. He said this, God is more than able to do His will without our prayer or cooperation. Yet, He invites the participation of our prayers, our heart, and our actions in seeing His will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. What a wonderful thought to know that God can do it without you, but that he extends an invitation into the greater narrative of helping bring God's kingdom to the earth. Listen, flawed and imperfect, absolutely, 100, but still a part of God's plan. I'm going to invite Hunter to come up here, and he's going to lead us in in one more worship song today, and and I'm going to invite you guys in a moment to participate in communion. But as we close, I wanted to share, there was this one instance where Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they began giving him all the responses of all the people, what they thought about him, and that he was a, a good prophet, and, and he, he was a good teacher. And they said all this stuff. But then Jesus asked one more time. He looked at Peter. He said, who do you say that I am? And Peter replied, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Out of all the things that Jesus could have told Peter and told the disciples after he made this profession, Check out what he said, Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. You have it in your notes, and it's on the screen. This is what he tells Peter. This is what he tells the disciples. This is what he tells each and every single one of us. He says, I will give you the keys of the what, church? The keys of the what, church? The keys of the kingdom of heaven. The keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. You see, what Jesus is telling Peter and in turn telling the disciples and in turn telling you and me and everybody who's made a profession that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, is that we have the keys to the kingdom. What a privilege to have the keys to the kingdom. Listen, we don't have the lock. We don't have the door, but we do have the keys. So do you see yourself as a participant in bringing a slice of the kingdom of God down to earth? You have the opportunity to love, to forgive, to live generously, to share the hope of the gospel to restore, to mend, to bring life among the spiritually dead and to set captives free. You have that opportunity. You have the keys of the kingdom. Now how is any of this possible? Only because of Jesus. And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're watching the live stream and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you, I want to invite you into a relationship with God through Jesus. The invitation of Jesus is to acknowledge your sin and your incapability, your helplessness to redeem yourself, and instead to depend on Jesus' perfect and sinless life, to depend on Jesus' death on the cross on your behalf to atone for your sin, and to trust in His resurrection to grant you forgiveness of sin and new life. And all you need to do to be welcomed into the kingdom of God is to put your faith in Him. And invite you to do that today. So, who's king in your life? Who's the king of your life? Let's pray that God would be our king. Your kingdom come, God. 
Is God's purpose greater than your own purpose? Is His will greater than your will? Then let's pray that His perfect and His good purpose will be accomplished in and through our lives. God, your will be done. Are you bringing a slice of the kingdom of heaven down to earth? And pray that you would. God, on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. God, you are king. You are king and you reign. So God, I pray that you would be king of our lives. God, we so selfishly pursued other kings and we've surrendered to other kingdoms. But I pray, God, that all those other kings and kingdoms would fade away. And that what would only stand would be the one true king. And that we would surrender our lives to your kingdom, God. God, forgive us for selfishly pursuing our own purposes. Help us to see your way as greater. That even when we come to you and pray, that we don't selfishly come before you hoping to only hear yes to what we want and our desires, but that we may be humble enough to accept whatever your response may be. And God, I pray that you would use us, Lord. Use us to bring a slice of the kingdom of heaven here to earth. Use us, God, to speak up for the voiceless, to love the lonely and marginalized, to live sacrificial and generous lives, to show and share the gospel of Jesus and to bring a slice of the kingdom here to earth. Use us this way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.